Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's time for another Benny J bonus interview brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. Friday, August 26th, 2022. Two headlines. Two headlines. So just so you know what's going on in the world, when you listen to this three years from now, two headlines. Here's goes. In my beloved Brightwind, the Chicago Sun-Times, I'm going to show my distinguished guest that newspaper to show I'm not, not lying and not making this stuff up. Distinguished gets nods. Goes, okay, I see that. Uh, Spin City, Manny Ramos. Great article. Chicago Street Takeovers. They're secret, dangerous, and illegal, but driver spectators say we're not bad people. Yes, it's a story about sort of the subterranean world of uh, drag racing that goes on in the city of Chicago. And uh, Manny Ramos, who writes for the Sun-Times, I just got off the phone and cut a deal with him. He's coming on the show to talk about it. Why am I so interested in it? Many, many reasons. One of which is back in the 80s when I was a young man, perhaps even younger than my distinguished guest, if such a thing is possible. My distinguished guest right now is like, is it possible that this old guy was ever younger than me? He's like, I don't think that's the case. So many, many of my millennial friends think I came out of my mother's womb at age 60 going, talking about tips. Didn't happen, people. Okay? I had a life. Oh, good day. Anyway, I wrote a story in the 80s about drag racing in Chicago. I called Manny. I go, Manny, I can't believe it. We got to come on and talk some drag racing. He's like, I'm ready, Ben. Uh, and then here's this headline, man, this one cracks me up in the Tribune. Same day, NASCAR setting up shop in Chicago to prep for 2023. We are a weird city, Chicago. I know you Chicago and struggle with this. You don't want to acknowledge how weird you are, but on one hand, <laughs> the powers that be in the city of Chicago are saying we're outraged by these drag racers in the streets. They're dangerous. On the other hand, <laughs> you're going to turn over. We're going to turn over like these valuable streets. Uh, just around Grant Park uh, for J- 4th of July for NASCAR. Somehow or other, it's like they don't see it as a mixed message. You're weird, Chicago. You're all weird. I'm weird, too, because I keep talking about it. All right. Without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself. Distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hi, Ben. My name is Moise Bawani. Uh One, I'm extremely honored to be here. Uh, my name is Moise. I'm a school teacher in Chicago Public Schools, a proud member of the Chicago Teachers Union, chair of the CTU Housing Committee, delegate organizer during my time as well. And I'm running for alderman in the 50th Ward of Chicago, the yes. great city of Chicago. The great city of Chicago. So he's not going to, he's running for alderman, folks. You're not going to hear him say Chicagoans are weird. Let's go let Ben say that. <laughs> let Ben say that. Before we get started, I want to give a shout out to Matt Ginsburg. Uh, it was Matt who said, you got to talk to this guy, Moise. I said, all right, Matt, whatever you say, I'll do whatever you tell me. And I'm just going to let this cat out of the bag. Matt Ginsburg, yeah, he lives in Chicago. He's a Packers fan. It's really weird. That's weirder. 
Isn't that true? A Packers fan. What's lamer than a Packers fan in general, but one who lives in Chicago? Moise, please tell me that. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Like, sorry, Matt, but you know how we feel about you. Oh, God, he's so lame. I love the Packers. Aaron Rodgers. All right, enough talk about Matt and his love for the Packers. Um, I believe it's important for me to highlight uh, young, up-and-coming, wannabe uh, elected officials in the city of Chicago. Uh, we talk so much in this show, Moise, about how the Democratic Party uh, is run by people who are even older than I am, and that there's a need to uh, develop younger, get younger people involved. Uh, and so when uh, Matt told me about you, I called you up. We spent about two hours, ladies and gentlemen, on the phone. Two hours. This guy's got the gift of gab. Uh, and uh, I was really, um, you know, I, I, I think it's a, it's a good sign, a healthy sign uh, that there's young progressives or I don't know what you call yourself, a progressive or what have you. We'll get into that. Uh, but uh, who are running. And in your case, you're up against a very powerful organization in the 50th Ward. Deborah Silverstein's the uh, older woman of the 50th Ward. And uh, man, those that's that's going to be a tough race. But uh, why don't you introduce yourself, take this moment to introduce yourself and explain. Uh, we'll talk a little about the story of who you are, uh, why you are, the way you are politically speaking, and what you hope to accomplish. So let's start with the basics. Just talk a little bit about your background. Go ahead. Yeah. So thank you, Ben. Um, I came to Chicago at the age of three. I'm the son of a taxi cab driver. Uh, I love you, Harun Bawani, and I'm a son of a restaurant worker, uh, Momin Bawani, who I love you immensely. So hopefully they'll listen and they'll be like, we love you too. Um, uh, I'm a Westridge kid through and through. I grew up in this neighborhood. Uh, I went to Clinton Elementary. Um, you know, this place means the world to me. Um, I, I, we never had it easy. And one thing that was a constant constant reoccurrence in my life as a young person struggling to navigate you know who i am navigate what it means to be pakistani what it means to be muslim what it means to be a chicagoan um was how much i had this love for the community whether it was my school teachers and clinton school whether it was warren park and all these amazing folks who worked for the park district and all these amazing folks who volunteered to teach classes or whether it was the old library and you know being obsessed with those giant Apple computers back in the day that looked like fishbowls. Um, every time we struggled, the community showed up for us, whether it was, you know, meals, whether it was financial support, whether it was loving, you know, loving me, um, that stuff never left me. Um, it, it, you know, we were evicted three times um, during, during our time in Westridge. And I get really emotional about it because, you know, those images never really leave you, like of your father crying at the, at the table you know, with a bunch of papers spread out and, you know, you know what that pain is or, you know, the beautiful moments of my dad taking bills into schools, asking my teachers, you know, how do we pay this? Is there a way I can get some sort of relief? Can I do installment plans? And my teachers being incredibly supportive and loving, um, you know, all of this stuff and everything we went through along with like, even the troubles I used to have in school. I talk a lot about my librarian, Ms. Zolt. Um, I remember in fourth grade, I was reading at like a kindergarten, first grade level. And, you know, everybody in the school kept trying to figure out why, why I was so aggressive, why I'd get angry all the time. And I remember that week I learned the word miracle. And I was hanging out with Ms. Zolt after school because my mom and dad will always be running late to pick me up. And uh, I remember just telling her because I was in such distress and thinking about myself as a fourth grader, our young people feeling that level of distress. I told her, I'm like, I need a miracle, Ms. Zolt. I don't know about myself. 
Um, and she said, honey, you are a miracle. Um, and moments like those really made me who I am. It made me love public spaces. It made me love our schools. And my mom used to always say, sometimes, you know, there's signs in front of us and you just got to pay attention. And I remember how much I felt loved in schools. And I remember when I felt alienated in schools because we did move out to the suburbs because Chicago was too expensive. And my dad was never going to achieve the dream of homing a home in Chicago that I spent some time in the suburbs. And I didn't, I didn't feel the type of love there like I felt in Chicago public schools. Um, and I felt lost, right? I went, I was running around a lot. I wasn't in college. I was washing dishes, you know, any, any gig work I can get, I would do. Um, and I remember profoundly how much of an impact all of this had on me and wanted me to be a teacher. And I remember being, you know, 26 and my mom and dad having this conversation with me saying, you know, what's the plan? Like, we're not worried about your older brothers. They found their way, but we worry about you a lot. And, you know, my dad asked me, where's, you know, where do you feel loved? And I was like, in communities like home and in schools. And then he encouraged me to go back to school. And I went to Northeastern, uh, you know, working, working in the mornings, going to classes at night, the same place where my dad took evening classes to learn English. So it was really poetic and beautiful. And, you know, while I was doing this, I was also getting opened up to every fight in Chicago, right? I was involved in disability justice spaces, specifically for South Asian communities. I was involved in uh, immigrant refugee spaces. I was involved at the Inner City Muslim Action Network doing food justice community, you know, community connection efforts. Um, and so much of learning about the condition of people made me like really confident in the choice to become a teacher. And then I worked, I worked my butt off. I graduated at 29 uh, at North, from Northeastern. And now I'm in my sixth year as an educator. And I think very profoundly that everything I went through is 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 what's what's making me who I am right now. But also, I'm reminded on a day to day basis by my dad that, you know, we didn't make it here because we pulled ourselves up by the bootstraps. We made it made it here because of the empathy and love from different people, and you know, like everybody in my life. So that's my story. So uh, you've been a teacher in the Chicago public schools for the last six years. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. It's it's been an honor of a lifetime. And what do you teach? And where do you teach? Oof. Uh, I teach English one. So sorry, Ben, you're gonna have to forgive me in advance. I teach English one. So freshman, and I teach one class of English two. And I just have to give a shout out to my high school. Uh, I teach over at North Grand High School. It is the best school in the city. It is a community school. Um, we love and take everyone in. And I love that place with all my heart. Uh, and shout out to the English department. Sorry, Ben, don't get mad at me. But shout out to Miss Welsh, Miss Ad Mr. Adams, Mr. Booth, Mr. Harmia, Miss Cardenas. Um, shout out to Ms. Hetzel, shout out to Ms. S, shout out to Ms. Chapa, and shout out to my favorite teacher of all time, Melanie Ruiz, the best teacher in the city. Uh, these are all my colleagues, and these are the people I love immensely. Uh, all right, I appreciate the shout outs, but I'm coming right back at you. What about <laughs> Mather High School? It's in the 50th Ward where you're running. I'm, I love Mather. I love, I applied at Mather, and uh, I didn't get the job. Uh, I love Mather. My brothers went there. I wanted to go there. A lot of people I love go there. Uh, our youth organizers in this community go there. Um, let's just say if Mather and North Grand are playing in any games, I just have to be missing. I just have to go missing. My brothers have this deep love of Mather, and they still tease me that I didn't get a chance to be like a Mather kid through and through like they did. But I love Mather. Every time I walk past Mather, every, I remember the courts. I remember playing basketball. I, it's hard not to be romantic about that place because of how much it symbolizes. All right. For 10 trivia points, let's see if you can pull this off. You know it's going to be tough. 
I mean, yes, it's a Mather High School. What are what's the first name and the middle initial go? Stephen T Y N G Mather. So Stephen Ting Mather, I believe. That's wow. Damn. <laughs> Gotta give the kid credit, man. That's pretty good. I only know that because I go by it so many times on Lincoln Avenue and I see that sign, you know, at Mather High School's at Lincoln. Like part of it's on Lincoln. I mean, the front of it's on Lincoln, the back of it's on California. Yeah. I think Peterson's the uh uh the uh the northern edge of it. So anyway, Mather High School. Uh shout out to Mather. But proud. I think it's the predominant uh public high school in the 50th ward, I want to say. Um I don't know what they they gerrymandered so much the 50th ward. Yeah. So I don't know if there's any other high schools. Yeah, All it's right. in the 50th. It's but it gets the majority of its students from the 50th. It's it's still in the 40th, I believe. All right. So let me just explain this. Uh the background here, the 50th ward, uh, to folks who are uh, don't know much about Chicago or the north side of Chicago, but are intrigued by the concept of Chicago politics. So the 50th ward is oh. on the far uh, northwest side of the city or not the far northwest side, but it's on the it uh, the north and west side. I guess there's parts of the city that go further west. Uh, for many years, uh, the the most predominant uh, political figure was a alderman named Bernard Stone, uh, who was also the Democratic committeeman for a while. And uh, in uh, recent years, uh, well, Bernie Stone died, I want to say uh, eight years ago, um, not too long ago. And uh, as I said, Silverstein uh, family has been running it ever since. Uh, you're up against an entrenched uh, political organization. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. This will not be easy. They already gerrymandered uh, the ward to take out precincts that would be more favorable to you or less favorable to them. I cut a deal with uh, my good friend uh, Andre uh, in the 40th ward. I see you, Andre Vasquez. Uh, and uh, so what makes you think you can defeat that formidable Silverstein organization? Go ahead. Yeah, um, honestly, we, we've been organizing here for quite some time. Uh, we have a political chapter, Matt's part of it. We have so many dedicated volunteers and people. And we have, I think people really under, underestimate this area. I think people here are incredibly progressive. They feel something for their neighbors because when we hit doors, people say immensely that one of the things, one of their pride and joy of being in this neighborhood is looking at who lives here that there's 82 plus languages and there's such a love and compassion for it. I think our messaging is there. I think we got the heart for it. I think we have all of that. But then when I go deep, like we got people, we got people who are throwing down. We've knocked 4,000 plus doors. We have, you know, a lot of positive IDs in our universe to the point that our math is looking really good. And, I'm, and I get super excited about that because we're ahead of progress. Um, 265 unique volunteers have walked through this office and have given something. Uh, we've raised about, uh, we almost have about 50,000 cash on hand. Um, we're blowing our first quarter projections away and our second quarter projections. I mean, and it's 152 unique donors. It's people from all walks of life who really care. People, like, I get emotional. I see my students drop like five bucks in my alumni. I'm just like, dang, because they believe. Um, we've got some early endorsements coming through from, you know, folks from electeds to neighborhood organizations. We've got the structure where many of the previous folks who ran here who talked to us and consulted with us that they didn't have. From going as far as the money for mailers, going back, going as far as having the people to knock doors, going as far as having you know, the ability to get polling, the ability to know which way we're going, what's our messaging, and we're organized and we got fighters. You know, we got fighters. Like I, I don't wanna, 
I'm humbled every single day because I think about who's here, like Matt and the fight he put up along with others and the advocacy he's done around the mental health clinics, Myra Glassman, who's like my organizing mom, Nash Alam. Like we have folks here who are who have been fighting for a just equitable Chicago, who've been compassionate their entire life and movement. And like, if you're going to put a bet on anybody, it's this team. And I, and I think about this, and I was thinking about this last night when I talked to my mom, this is a diverse, multi-ethnic, multi-racial, multi-religious age level groups, every single where we've got youth organizers as young as 14 to elders in this team from who are at the age of 86, who care about it. Um, we got it. We got it and it's gonna be hard, but everything in my life has been hard. And this neighborhood deserves that level of love, compassion and investment that we're gonna go hard and we're gonna win. All right, now uh, when you go to doors, door to door, uh, and you talk to uh, your voters, what are the most pressing concerns that they have? Yeah, excellent question. Um, it sometimes depends by community, but I'll, I'll try to aggregate them. Uh, housing, public safety, uh, ward services. Those are the big three. And at the heart of all of these things, there is this deep, immense love for community. And there is this desire for people when they express their needs, because I listen a lot at doors. It is this desire of like, man, we deserve dignity and respect. You know, like we need a speed bump here. There are children here. We need traffic calming measures. We need these things. We need housing because I'm struggling. And last year, housing was $800. Now it's a thousand people living doubled up. And then public safety where people where I'm super grateful because our public safety discourse is not just policing, but people talk heavily about like, where are our supports for our youth? One in every five person in this neighborhood is from the ages of five to 19. And people, when we listen and we talk, we help people really see those connections. But many people have them at the doors where they say things like, hey, you know, Moise, what's your plan for lighting, right? Because this neighborhood at night at dark, I'm just concerned about my neighbors. And you know, people go deep, like they talk about their neighbors who have disabilities, and that's a public safety thing. We talk about our, our students and schools and what programs they have, that's public safety too. So those are the areas, but they have so many different variants from this one, from this one dude who was like, hey, Moise, I just need you to deliver a Denny's to Westridge. And I was like, a Denny's? Like, yeah, I just need a Denny's, man. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm a school teacher. So I get requests like this from my students too, where they'll be like, yo, Bawani, can you get like a, a self-serve ice cream? And I'm like, I don't, where am I going to get that? I love you. <laughs> that is funny, man. <laughs> Denny's. I'm trying yeah. to think where are there any where's the Denny's in Chicago? I, I I can't think of a Denny's in the city of Chicago right now. Off yeah. hand, we have an IHOP, and they're I think they're great. Love IHOP. There's an IHOP on Howard and Western. Is that the 50th Ward? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, it's on the Evanston side, so it's, right, technically it's on the opposite, right, opposite right. side. So you have to go to Evanston uh, if you go to that <laughs> IHOP. True. Uh, right. And um, what are you going to do? Here's one for you. Here's a 50th Ward question. I believe yeah. this is the, the greatest pizza restaurant in the city of Chicago, in my humble opinion. And I've been going there since 1972, people. Closed. It closed last year. Or no, it closed earlier this spring. It was called Gulliver's. Yep. And it was on Howard Street, just east of California. All right, so it's on the Howard Street. I'm 99.9% sure that Andre Vasquez and Deborah Silverstein didn't figure out a way to get Gulliver's old place in the 40th Ward. So it's still in the 50th Ward. Um, so what are you going to do about uh, bringing Gulliver's back? Anything you could do about bringing Gulliver's back? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm gonna reach out to them. I want it back too. <laughs> like, that's another thing neighbors get deep about. They're like, man, we really want to see Western and Tui developed. We really want to see, we really want to see this neighborhood thrive, and we really want some of our old businesses that left. We want some of our old spaces that left. Like, you know, I was involved um, with Myra's lead in the High Ridge YMCA coalition fight here because we need those community spaces, but we also like, yeah, Gulliver's shutting down really hurt because I love that place, even though I'm like grieved Nawaz through and through as of late, because you know, it's all day. But I, I would love to bring those types of businesses back into the ward, businesses that are, you know, family oriented, community oriented, that become so loved that, you know, literally you and I are on a radio show in 2022 talking about it. And you're talking yeah. about memories from 72. Yeah, so no, it's deep. Uh, and then in the high ridge why you're you're, you're so uh, so many kids swimming lessons uh so many kids the bus would pick them up and take them to to summer camp uh it, that was very traumatic uh the whole fight over the higher uh rich why you know you said something that was very interesting uh the last time we were talking on the phone we were just talking about progressive stuff and um you know your participate participation with chicago teachers union a supporter of Stacey Davis Gates, et cetera, and so forth, uh, and tying things to like na nationwide issues. And then you go out door to door and someone wants, oh, I want a Denny's, which is essentially saying it's talking about local economic development, or I want better lighting at night. And these are so far removed in many ways. These are just very practical, pragmatic concerns that people in a neighborhood have about their day-to-day -day existence. And it's hard to see a connection between these larger, uh, you know, idealistic or uh, ideological, I should say, um, political opinions that we all have. Uh, how do you draw the two together? Your sort of nationwide, your, uh, your larger macro uh, attitudes toward where we are as a country and where we should go and the micro needs of the 50th war. I think everything is tied together. Um... Now, I come from a from a family of people like where all my dad wanted, you know, I'll, you know, we'll talk about Bernard Stone, I'm sure. But, you know, all my dad wanted was uh, cones and like signage to let people know, hey, it's Friday prayer here. Right. Um, and I remember walking in with my dad to Bernard Stone's office, you know, when I was riding in the back of his taxi and my dad asked, uh, like, just had called, had tried really hard to get in touch. And they got to the office and Bernie was in the office. And my dad was like you know, this is what we need for our mosque, right? And Bernard Stone was just angry. And he was like, no, he's like, I'm not going to give anybody special treatment here. And I remember walking back out with my dad and him saying to me, like, don't let this make you give up on civics, you know? And like, even though I'm an English teacher, I've taught civics and I, and I teach a lot of this in my class too, about these connections. I think what I hear from people, and I'm a teacher, so I make a lot of connections. What I hear from people is they want dignity. They work hard. Right. And they want their neighborhood to be responsive. They want a leader in their neighborhood to care about them and their kids because lighting, it means something for people. Right. Whether it's our folks biking at night, it means something for our elders. And these are things that I think when you put the microscope on, you really elevate and they should make you sad. Right. People don't leave during the winter because the streets aren't like the streets aren't plowed. Right. And folks who are in wheelchairs or walkers, how, how can they get around? And then how does this connect to like cooling centers and heating centers and when we have drastic weather so i listen closely and i think you know as my father always put in my heart when you show people that government can work for them like my dad was like you got to love the government son but you got to also be aware that the people who we put in charge sometimes don't love people and they don't love the government and that's what happens 
Like my dad wanted me to understand that civics and this stuff was important. So I think when I listen to people who say things like, you know, Mui's um, tree trimming is important to me. Like that's an issue I find important because at the heart of it, they're thinking about something that mean is meaningful for them. And they're frustrated enough to talk to you about it because somehow they've been let down by local politics. And I think, you know, when you, when you fight these fights or when you go through the journey my father went where some small act of kindness, right, made him believe in progressivism, right? Where he said, son, you got to fight for people. You got to fight for schools. You got to fight for kids with disabilities. You got to fight with kids who are English language learners. You got to fight for families and food instability, housing instability. All of that started with the fact that my dad was able to get spaces in the mosque for us to pray on Friday prayer in peace. So you never know when somebody says, like, hey, man, you know, like, I need a speed bump here, right? I think at the heart of what they're saying is they want public safety. They want pedestrians to be safe. They want drivers to be safe. They want people to slow down. And that's compassion that you can work with. And that's compassion as a politician, as an organizer, as an activist that you want to cultivate because those people stick around and then they fight. And that's building a ward for everyone. You've mentioned public safety as a major concern of people uh, when you encounter them at the doors. Uh, So talk about that. That is a huge issue in the city of Chicago right now, crime and uh, what the city should do in terms of marshalling its uh, police, uh, marshalling its mental health workers. Thank goodness we have uh, so many guests, local guests come on all sides of this issue. Uh, Rosanna Rodriguez uh, and uh, Ray Lowe, Raven Lopez been on the show and they, they're complete opposite ends of the spectrum. So what would, what's your vision uh, to, to dealing with this issue? I want a city that loves its young people I want a city that loves its people. And I, and I, you know, that's why teaching means so much to me because when you're in the classroom with kids, you can't just punish away problems, you know? And like more than anything, young people, they just want somebody to love them, to listen to them, to care for them, to hold space for them. And they want to see schools and they want to see school communities that make them feel valued every day. Um, and big love to Rosanna, the treatment, not trauma fight and that entire coalition, that's what we should be fighting for. Those are the things that I wish, you know, I had in my childhood too. I think with public safety, you know, the big thing we alert everybody to is that public safety is interwined in our communities. You know, I even think, and you know, people will say like movies, these are pie in the sky, but I always ask folks like, why have we normalized it in the other direction? Why is there not a phone number for somebody to call when they're hungry? You know, I had, you know, I had some of my students in the summer, they tracked down my phone number. They went through all of this to track down my phone number. They called me in the summer. And they were like, you know, Bawani, it's, it's 12 o'clock right now. Like it was around 12, 11 a.m. And they were just like, we're just really hungry. It's me and my two brothers. I'm really hungry and we're afraid we're going to do something that, that, you know, is not good. Right. And I was like, and I was just like in this, I was just so disoriented because I woke up. Right. Because someone called eight times and I was like, okay, what, what's going on? What do you mean? What are you going to do? He's like, I don't want to spell it out for you, Bawani, but it's something that's not going to make you proud. And, you know, I, I jumped out of my bed. I got my ass in my Honda Accord and I like Taco Bell was open and we got like a box of tacos. Right. And I just dropped it off. And I remember seeing him, you know, a week later as we're doing those summer programs at school. And he was just like, thanks, man. Like I was just, we were just really hungry. And I think about those circumstances and I think about how that could have been if it went in a different direction, how the narrative would have been around my kids, right. My students. And so, you know, I always try to try to draw these connections with people to understand that everything we do impacts public safety. When we offer programs for young people, that impacts public safety, whether they feel loved or not. When we open up spaces like mental health clinics and extend them, that's big. And that means a lot to me, too, because I come from a 
you know, I come from a community where we were asked to like really hold our feelings in. Mental health was not a thing in the South Asian community. And now I'm 35 and I feel all these feelings. And I work in a space that allows me to, and I get to be vulnerable. And I think about how much mental health has meant to me to, you know, fix a lot of the, heal a lot of the spaces where I was struggling. And I, and it's interesting even now in our discourse, right? People want mental health supports for the police, right? But like, they also want, we also should want mental health supports for the gentleman who's on Western Avenue. Like we had this scary moment who was just standing in the middle of Western, right? Having, having a mental health like breakdown in the middle of this street, right? Th that person deserves mental health supports too. So when I get these conversations about public safety, I really listen. And I, and I tell people, we lost a young person in Warren Park and I tell them, you know, like what are ways that would have kept our kids in this situation? And I'm, you know, I'm also really keeping very heavy in my heart, the Shures community, all the love for the folks over there. Um, I think we really need to do an introspection about this city, right? Like who do we value? Who do we care about? Because we keep coming back to these old ideas and we keep coming back to this old adage that we can just police away our problems. And the police are the police, right? But I also think about investment. I also think about what it means to house people. You know, a couple of, couple of years ago, um, you know, there was a good friend of mine who were, were involved in getting people housing during polar vortex in the hotel. And it actually was, you know, it was, it was emotional because they told me they were like, you know, they told this person, like, we're sorry, we can't get you two more days in the hotel. We can only get you two. And, and the person that told them, the unhoused person, like, you don't know how much it meant to just get a good night of sleep, right? Without worrying about who's going to take your stuff, who might harass you, what might happen. That's the condition of people in the city. You know, there are the fact that we can say openly and we've normalized that there are unhoused children in Chicago public schools, that there's 20,000, that 58,000 people in our city, you know, according to Bring, the Bring Chicago Home Coalition, don't have a home. And we live in the, one of the richest cities in the world, richer than countries. We have to do some introspection about that. And we mm -hmm. have to not ask ourselves why the conditions of people are falling apart, why crime is happening when people are hurting when people are hurting at so many levels. So it's ordinances like treatment, not trauma, bring Chicago home that I think have to also be in public safety discourse, right? And we have to say, this is important. And this also ties into the issues we're having where we talk about crime, where we talk about, you know, the, the usage rate of our police and the mental health support that our police need. What do you mean by usage, usage rate of police? Um, I think it's that whole discourse that we're hearing now that we don't have enough officers, right? That people are going to the suburbs, that the academy is having the lowest turnout and so and so. Um, you know, I think, you know, even officers that we run into, like, you know, I was heavily involved in the SRO fight when I was at Clemente and we got the police out of our school, right? And I think one thing that unfortunately that went under the radar, not that happened a few weeks ago, right? When the two educators from George Washington High School, Chuck Stark and Lauren Bianchi were targeted is that Jadine Chow also gave a report that day and she mentioned like, hey, $33 million was our, what we used to have a police contract, it's now 10.9. And I remember uh, Ms. Chow, like when we had conversations saying there, she couldn't imagine a school schools without police. And then she mentioned in that discussion that, you know, we're heading towards the future without police in schools. Like, and I thought to myself, well, let's flip that 10.9 million and, you know, turn it into librarians, right? Flip that school to prison pipeline. But I think like even those officers that I used to deal with at Clemente, they used to say like, we get called for everything. You know, we get called when kids are doing firecrackers, right? And like, why, why, why are we doing this, right? Like 
you know, Jeanette Taylor had this analysis that I remember watching where she said, let the police police, but like the police can't be social workers. You know, they shouldn't be in schools and they openly talk about this too. Like they shouldn't, right? And like, if we're dealing with this unique issue, when I talk about usage that we don't have enough officers or people are saying, you know, like, look at our, look at the academy graduations, they're low. I want us to think about how we tackle problems. And I want us to think about deeply, like how, we've increased budgets again and again and again and where has it brought us right where has it brought us and what has it done to the condition of people so i think that's that's the connection i'm making well i i i hear you i yeah we talked so much on this show about police and schools that's like about a year ago i remember that issue uh and that gets also gets into budgeting because that was just a backdoor way of funding using the schools to pay for the police but i mean let's be honest folks that's the little games that uh, you're let's hope you're a vigilant. If you get elected, you're a vigilant alderman and paid attention to because that's what that was. That was just a way of paying for police by putting them on the school's budget. And because it's a, uh, a an appointed school board, they just do whatever the mayor says. Sorry, Miguel Devaye, my old friend, president of the school board. Anyway, all right, I'll, I won't go down that road. Um, but I do think that I'll just put this to you. It's possible to have police in schools, but have a different way of behavior if a police officer is specifically trained to be in a school. And this is like this either or attitude, this approach we have here in the city of Chicago, um, where it's like, well, police do this one thing and everybody else does or like a, a, a social worker does something else. And I don't know. I mean, I know this sounds far fetched, but it is possible to train a police officer to be like a social worker. If you're going to put a policeman in a school, at least have a, a policeman who's like, knows something about teenagers, knows something about conflict resolution, knows something a little bit different about than arrest them. And that gets into training police. That's so anti-Chicago right there. As soon as I say it, eyes are rolling. Oh, ben, come on, you hippie. But you hear what I'm saying? So I don't have that knee-jerk reaction that some of my lefty uh, friends have against police. I want to see better training, particularly when I look at the issue that you mentioned at the top, mental health cares for police. What a, what a weird city we are. Think about this. We deal with, there's clamor for police. What do they do? They take away their time off. Right. I, I know cop. I'm not going to name names. They're like, this is a great city. I'm working so much overtime, you know. <laughs> But then there's other police officers who are breaking and snapping. And even the ones who are talking trash about how they're making all this overtime, they're probably feeling the pressure. So, so do you, you, you hear what I'm saying? It's like the all or nothing attitude in the city of Chicago uh, makes it very difficult to reach any kind of resolution. Your thoughts on what I just said? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's deep, right? Like I think, I, I think about, so one thing I'm proud of is when we organized it was our young people really started the issue from the beginning to the end around policing. Um, and, you know, one of my students said something really poignant where he said, you know, there's still a weapon. There's still a badge, right? Like there is compliance at the end of this road, regardless of how nice you are, you know? And like the reason this student loved teachers is that I always, or, you know, I always and my colleagues at Clemente, who I love, love Roberto Clemente, they used to also feel immensely that like, there was no avoiding, right? Like we had to work to get to know kids and as exhausting as it is, like it made me, it made all of us better people. 
I think, you know, I had this conversation with the neighbor too, because I mentioned that, you know, the current, the current way policing works to both of us, the way we saw it, it doesn't result at the end of this rope in justice. Or, you know, he was a bit more conservative. He wanted order, right? And I and I want justice in our neighborhoods. Um, and he mentioned, but we both agreed that it ends with policing, right? It ends with whether it's an increase of budgets, whether it's the throwing people into jails and proliferation of, you know, jail, jail efforts in Chicago for juveniles, like all of this. I think... I think one, we really underestimate, and I, and I love that Rosanna says this immensely, how important social workers are, right? And there's a fight right now going on about, you know, paying them what their, what their credentials and what their work involves. Uh, being in schools and understanding how much of what our kids need, I understand how important my social workers are, how important nurses are, how important the school psychologist is, how important the crossing guard is, the PSRP is. Those, those crucial people are lifeless. So I think when we talk about, oh, you know, the police can be trained. I mean, the police can be trained, sure, right? But I think like, I don't think an officer can be a social worker, much like me saying a teacher can be a social worker. That's why we fought that historic fight in 2019 to get librarians, social workers, nurses in schools, right? Like those relationships are crucial to healing and fixing a lot of things. And those people present to be able to handle crises or, cri you know, any crisis of mental health are deeply important. Like they know from step one, when they show up on the scene, what's a way to approach it without escalating it, right? Like, and people have talked to us about like beat cop programs. I'm like, you know, any job where you're committed to the community, the librarian here, your, your school educator, you know, these are public programs, the police officer, I think it's incumbent on us to know our community and to know and like be rooted where we are, right? Like that's a given if you're a public worker. But I think when we get deeper into the fact that, oh, you know, training, 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 I think at some point we also have to recognize that these issues, like people's mental health needs, hunger, housing, need specific investment and investment from investment in people to do this work and do it in a way that lifts, uplifts them, provides for them and sees the effort and things that they're doing. So yeah. I, I, you know, officers engaging if they want to they'll engage right like but i do think a social worker is important i think restorative justice transformative justice folks need to exist in these spaces too all of that stuff all right fair enough uh now let's move on and talk about uh your automatic campaign in connection with the mayor's race one of the first things uh, people told me when i moved to chicago way 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 long ago i uh, was uh, the, my first mayoral election in chicago was 1983 and the great Harold Washington was running. Remember, uh, there was a young alderman uh, in Rogers Park named David Orr. And uh, he, I think he was, had just finished his first term. He was running for a second term. And it was a three-way primary. Daly was the state's attorney. Jane Byrne, the incumbent mayor. Harold Washington, congressman. Uh, so I remember interviewing baby me, interviewing David Orr, uh, asking him who he's going to support. David Orr was no fool. He said, I'm not supporting anyway, Ben, because I'm going to tell you why. I want to get Washington supporters to vote for me, Byrne supporters to vote for me, uh, and Daly supporters to vote for me. So that was him in the first go-around. When Harold won, he supported Harold, of course. So that's my, my question to you is, are you going to uh, take that uh, page from the David Orr uh, playbook and stay out of the mayoral election on the grounds you want everybody so, sort of like a Michael Jordan version. Republicans buy sneakers too. Uh, are you going to take that approach? Uh, I'm going to be honest and I'll shoot from the hip. No, 
I think I'm committed to progressivism. I'm committed to fighting the fight. And like, if there's if there's a candidate that links up that has our views and has the movement support, Ben, I'm supporting them. It's it's not about me, you know. And that's what it took for Matt and everybody in this IPO and in our community to get me running. I got asked three times, man. I was like, no, dude. Like, I'm I have the greatest honor. I'm a school teacher. I I moved back to West Ridge all those years ago because I wanted to build something like Brighton Park Neighborhood Council. I wanted parents and LSCs to be linked up. I wanted our kids to be organizers. I wanted to bring back the Northside Youth Alliance, right? These things that made my childhood see a world of possibilities. And I remember when I was asked and I was like, no, no, I'm, I am exactly where I wanted to be. And I worked hard to get here. Right. And the second time when they had community folks, the first time was Matt. Second time it was community folks in the area who was like, listen, son, you've done so much during the pandemic. You've seen the wounds in this city run. I was like, no, no. And then the third time Myra talked to me, and I was like, no, <laughs> and Nash, no. And then and then my parents got in touch. And my dad said something very salient that Matt, Myra, everybody was saying. They were like, it's not about you. It's about the movement. It's about people. It's about elevating people. And they're like, you know, as, as, as much as we love you because you're our son, but, you know, you're not as lovely as the movement, as a world where people care about kids, as people care about each other, their neighbors, and every single person in the neighborhood. So if there's somebody coming from movement spaces, and if there's somebody who is saying these things that our campaign's doing it, we have to fight together. We have to, you know, like the amount of love I've gotten from some of our politicos or some of our folks who've ran campaigns, who are established, who are, you know, in, in office and how much they care about just the idea of a shared struggle for schools, for communities, for neighborhoods, for people who are marginalized, for immigrants and refugees, and how much they go in just knowing they don't need your credentials. They just know you got a big heart, right? That's how I want to live my life. And every day, you know, this campaign is about winning the 50th ward seat, but this campaign is also about developing people in this neighborhood to speak up and center and center issues to the heart, developing young people, right? What I want out of this is when I go into the Rohingya community, when I go into Syrian community spaces, Afghan community spaces, I'm also looking at my future congressman, congresswoman, congressperson. I'm looking at our future senators. I, we need to develop more and more people in this neighborhood too to take the mantle on. This is never going to be about Muiz and that level of when you remove yourself from this equation, you see the reality is we need to build a Chicago that was Harold Washington's dream. We need to build a Chicago from the from the first to the fiftieth, from the far east side. Shout out to the tenth ward to the fiftieth ward, one that loves each other and sees each other. You know, the dream Harold had. The dream we could have had after 1919 had we have not settled to go the way of segregation and continuing the white supremacist violence that existed. And so, you know, when I think about this and some there's a movement candidate and our views link up, we got to fight together. We got to continue to build a city that loves its children, loves its neighbors, loves its people, the same people that have beautified it. Uh, the illusion in 1919 was a race riot in 1919 uh, in the city of Chicago, brutal race riot. Uh, and in the aftermath, the powers that be in the city say, hey, you know what? Segregation is a pretty good idea. Uh, and it's pretty much been a policy of segregation in this city ever since. All right, I'm going to close by broadening things just a little bit. Uh, this is on my mind these days. And uh, just get your thoughts. Uh, this is a national issue, but of course, obviously, it impacts people. And I always love it, man. I just got to go on this side. Whenever they ask Darren Bailey, who's the Republican candidate, uh for governors uh they always go well, what do you think about the january 6th insurrection 
He always goes, I'm running in Illinois. I'm like, uh, excuse me, last I looked, Illinois was in the United States. I, just say it, DB. Come on now, take a stand. I'm nervous. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, obviously Darren Bailey doesn't want to uh, alienate uh, MAGA supporters at the same time. He doesn't want to. He needs a few, like, mushy suburbanite types to vote for him. Anyway, all right. Uh, so tangential there. Uh, student loans. This is on my mind. Uh, Joe Biden uh, just came out with a, uh, I think it's an executive order. It's the actual thing. It's going to uh, uh, eliminate up to $20,000 in student debt uh, per person and $10,000 for most people. Uh, and it's been slammed from all, <laughs> every which way you can. Like, you try to do anything in this country and someone is going to slam you. Your thoughts on just this general topic. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean... No one should be in debt. No one should be in debt to pursue intellectual growth, creative growth. No one should be in debt. I think, I don't think this goes anywhere near enough. I think we need to cancel student debt. We also need to make college free. Like, it's just, it's strange to me, right? Like my dad wanted me to get an education. And cause he used to say, you know, like I want my kids to be aware of the world. They need to know the humanities. They need to know engineering. They need to know wherever their heart takes them. Cause I want you to understand learning is what we should be doing as people. And we put all these burdens on people to learn, right? I think it's just ridiculous. And I, you know, 10,000, 20,000 is not enough. And to me, I just like, first and foremost, you have to set up this gambit to one, wipe it all clean, man. People should not have to be struggling in this way. And I keep thinking about how we just have, whatever people say, what are we gonna, how are we gonna pay for it? But somehow we have money to extend the military. Somehow we always have money for, for you know, for some sort of feature to give like a handout to a business, right? Or these fossil, the fossil fuel industry, all of this. But in order to like put our kids through college to create a more like, create a populace that has skills, that has knowledge, that has education, credentials that can go into the workforce, can be involved. We're like, oh, we can't do that. You know, we just shrug, right? And I think the fact of the matter is what really upsets me is that they were entertaining possibilities. And when they entertain possibilities, that tells us it's possible, right? Sorry, I know it's like a big loop, but it's possible. So you can't tell me when you were entertaining eliminating debt or entertaining at a higher level that, oh, this is the best we can do, like that meme. That was the best we can do for you. No. So I, I'm, I'm disappointed. Um, and here's the thing, like I'm almost done paying off my loans. I refinance to get a really good rate, so I don't even qualify. And when I'm done paying off my loans, I still want every single person to get their loans back. And I want us to really, really reimagine and really think about what higher education should look like and how we can get our young people into spaces that matter, whether, whether it's the trades, whether it's a four-year program. I want my kids, man, Ben, I like have alumni students who hit me up when it's like, Ayo, Bawani, I saw your Facebook post about your car problems. Come through. I'm a mechanic now. Like, I love it. And I just, I just want every single space for our kids to thrive, whether they want to go to a four-year school and get that degree in English and, and you know, come student teach in Bawani's classroom or whether they go into the trades and they do beautiful things like become carpenters, do beautiful things like become welders, like all this space. And we should be working actively, whether it's through debt removal, loan removal, making spaces free, supporting kids, you know, paying people for internships. Like when they, when they do internships or when they student teach, we should do whatever we can to cultivate a love of education and a love of wanting to contribute. I'm with you hundred percent. Uh, I, I, 
I remember during the 2019 presidential debates, which uh, this is a year, like another lifetime ago, the Democrats, uh, and this issue came up. And of course, Bernie, 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 always for Bernie. I see that name, I vote for him. Uh, and he was advocating uh, free uh, tuition. And Mayor Pete, I'd never heard of Mayor Pete. All of a sudden, Mayor Pete's a, uh, like a demi-dem. And, and he's saying, it's not fair because like a trade guy doesn't get it. I'm like, well, duh, make it give, <laughs> have Northeastern teach trades. Make what well, you said you went to Northeastern. Like, why isn't Northeastern tuition free? Why isn't UIC tuition free? Why isn't Kennedy King and Triton and, and, and Truman? And I just, I've never understood it. So I've had this conversation with Dr. D, the producer of the, the regular show all the time. He's a master technician of radiology and Chris Raggi is doing this show today also like why can't guys like that go to their local colleges and get those very just practical career experience for free out of my tax dollars I'd much rather have it go to them than to go build bombs so I don't get yes. this at all yeah and how about bringing back CTE programs in schools how about fully funding CTE programs in schools career technical education in Chicago public schools, right? Why why are we not why are we not pushing those more? Why are we not investing in letting our students have a full spectrum of exposure to things that they might want to do? Yeah. And then continuing education, right? Like you and I should be able to get up and say if we want to turn our lives around that we want to become carpenters, that we want to become woodworkers, that we can go somewhere and learn. And because we we're a society that believes in getting people to learn skills, share skills, get work, get employed, go at it. All right. Uh, we so definitely see eye to eye in that one. We're going to have to have continue that uh, police and social workers conversation another time. Uh, all right. Now, you said something three times. So as we leave, I want you to clarify this. Whenever you're talking about a conversation you have with someone, a student or a friend, you always refer, they refer to you as Bawani. So do people call you by your last name a lot? Yeah, it's, a, it's it, I, people just seem to like Bawani, I guess. Um, it is a cool you know, name. Yeah, one of my colleagues at North Grand, uh, Miss Furlong, who I forgot to mention, shout out to you in the English department. The way she says Bawani always cracks me up. And I think people just enjoy it. And my kids just, I get called everything. I get called Mr. Bawani. I get called Coach B because I coach basketball. I coach other sports. Uh, I get called Uncle Moise by one one student, just one student. And she like absolutely loves me, calls me Uncle Moise for some reason. Uh, but I get called everything. But Bawani is like, I don't know, people, I guess people like saying Bawani and they struggle sometimes with Moise because it's spelled really awkwardly comparative to what South Asian people or anyone who, I guess, would be in the linguistic side. But yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think Bawani's cool. I may start calling you Bawani. It is awfully a cool name. But wait a minute. Hold on. You buried the lead. Come on, my show. And you at the very end, tell me you coach basketball. That's called burying the lead, my friend. <laughs> You're the head. Are you the the varsity basketball coach at your high school? I was the girls varsity basketball coach last year at North Grand High School. And you're not going to do it this year because you're running for office, obviously. Yeah, because I'll be going on leave of absence in November uh, to go full-time on the campaign. Go back to being full-time on the campaign. So final question for you as we close down the show. Uh, we'll, we'll close where we began. Uh, are you Matt Ginsbergian in your love for the Milwaukee Bucks? Or are you Benny J. Ian in your love for his beloved Chicago Bulls. Answer that question. Come on, man. The Bulls. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> listen, we love Matt, but like, if you know, if, if when it's when the Bears are playing, the Bulls are playing, 
anybody from Chicago, we don't like Matt. Like, we don't talk about Matt. And, you know, <laughs> like, I think I mentioned this to you. I, like, have worked really hard to get away from being, like, that athletic junkie. Like, if the Bears lose on Sunday, I won't talk to anybody on Wednesday. I work really hard to, like, not let sports, you know, I, but I do get really sad when the Bulls lose. I get really sad. But I've worked hard not to, like, let that. But people like Matt, they'll just text me all the time. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, Giannis. Like, man, give it a break, Matt. Like, give it a break. But you know what's going to happen? My mom says this all the time. Uh, Matt's kid, Harvey, who I love, and Harvey's, oh, he's going to be, like, the hard, most hardcore Bulls and Bears. Oh, I know. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh. Yeah, and you know what? We're just gonna we're gonna watch Matt just crumble. <laughs> you know what? With with just oh man, poor cheeseheads everywhere. They lost it. It was about a, two weeks ago. Giannis gave a press conference, and then Pat, the greatest basketball player in the world right now, in my humble opinion. I just that's me speaking. Just put the Bulls fan out of me. Just the greatest basketball player in the world is Giannis. Okay, we all know it. All right. Uh, although the big feller, uh, <laughs> from Serbia had quite a game on him last night, but what, I'm not going to go down that path. All right. So, um, Giannis was given a press conference. He's got this new business gig he was promoting. And then just, I didn't pass him. I someone asked him a question about the bulls. He goes, yeah, I, I could see myself playing in Chicago and it, to, like bucks fans, little cheeseheads just lost their minds. They couldn't believe it. And bulls fans were so excited at the prospect of Giannis coming to Chicago. Uh, that would definitely seal the deal uh, yes. for a, any kid on the fence. But uh, anyway, I'm glad, happy to hear you're a Bulls fan. Uh, I'm going to call you coach from now on. That I know you're a coach. And you had that aggressive uh, defense that your team was noted for, like that pressing, trapping defense. Of, uh, <laughs> I just made that up. I have no idea if you guys had a pressing trap. <laughs> coach B with that uh, that trap press. Oh, All right. Hard. We did. Defense uh, Defense was key. Your defense was key. All right, Buani. I'm going to call you Buani because I love that name so much. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. Best of luck. Uh, it won't be easy. Uh, I'm not sugarcoating it. It's tough politics in the 50 ward. You know it. Uh, and uh, But you know what? That's it. Progressives in Chicago are tough and because it's not easy winning. It's not like in New York where they just roll in. You know what I'm saying? In Chicago, it's a little tougher. So anyway, best of luck to you, all right? Thank you, Ben. It was an honor, and we're going to win. We're going to build this ward for everyone. We're going to win. So I appreciate okay. you, and always been a big fan. And I'm, I'm like, still, like, honored, like, shaking with honor, like, gratefulness. So thank you. Thank you a ton, Ben. All right. Very good. That's Moise Bowani. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody.